0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer, The General, Sean w- w- McClain. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia. Talk to you.
1: Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome in Utopia Football Podcast, our third and final one of the week. And we got a lot to get to because the Tennessee Titans are coming to town. The Philadelphia Phillies are coming to town. It is a busy and fun time of year. And we got you covered not only on the football side, but on the baseball side as well as we welcome you in. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610. In the mornings on Sports Radio 610 and of course joined by my good friend the Hall of Famer, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and Gallerysports.com, John McLean. John, how are we doing today?
2: I'm doing great, John. It's a great time to be a fan of Houston sports with the Texans having the Titans coming in with, of course, the World Series. Can't wait for that on Friday and Saturday. And I'm so glad, so glad that they don't play on Sunday when the Texans and Titans play. It's a travel day. That to me was I've I've spent a lot of time watching Astro playoff <laughs> games on Sunday in the Texans press box while I'm writing my columns.
1: Well, John, think about this upcoming week. I mean, you got NFL football on Sunday with the Texans and obviously the rest of the league. And then on Thursday, the Texans have their Thursday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles of all teams. You will talk about that game specifically. This coming week um but uh it feels like the nfl and i don't know if anybody's commented on this from uh, major league baseball uh or if you know clearly the the approach seems to be to avoid as best they can big football days because the nfl is just such a juggernaut when it comes to ratings but i think i think it's smart too i think avoiding sunday and avoiding thursday is, is a wise choice if that's what Major League Baseball decided to do. But it certainly is another indicator as to the strength of the NFL, is it not?
2: Always. The NFL always buries baseball, basketball, college football, all of them combined. I'm glad baseball did it this way. Can you imagine uh, what it would be like right now if the Texans were the only unbeaten team in the NFL and the t- Houston had the Astros in the World Series which is the case in Philadelphia. Yeah. I can not imagine how excited and what a buzz there is in Philadelphia right now. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and they're all going to be
1: invading, John. They're all going to be bringing their cheesesteak breath to to Houston next week. Um, you know, if there's a if there's a game 6 or a game 7 uh, or both, um then um, Philly fans are going to be able to be here if they want to stick around and pay two thousand dollars to sit ten rows back in the Crawford boxes. Then they can they can do it. It's two thousand dollars actually right now. I can only imagine what Game Six and Game Seven are gonna are gonna cost for this thing. Or John, if they want to just stick around and go to the parade with all of us after the Astros win it in, you know four or five, <laughs> they could
2: do that. You know, get the I get was, the whole experience. I was told at the start of camp. I assume the hottest ticket was going to be Cleveland. The hottest ticket was not. The hottest ticket was Philadelphia. Yeah. And it's not because Texans fans, fans are rushing out to see the Eagles because nobody knew the Eagles were going to be this good. It's mm-hmm. because Philadelphia has a lot of fans, but they also travel very well. And uh, so that, that – who oh boy, Texans fans, when they play Thursday night on Amazon – which that where they played the first game on Amazon in preseason against the 49ers, those fans are going to have to be very, very loud if they want to uh, overcome the Eagles fans. And if, if the Phillies are leading, that's going to make the fans even more fun on oh, Thursday oh, night to make themselves be felt in Houston.
1: Why do you got to say that, John? Because that's that we've been there before with Washington. Well, Washington, the Astros actually came back uh, up 3-2 in that series because nobody won a damn home game in that series. Along those lines, and as we thank um, Liquid Death for sponsoring the pod, I'm opening my Liquid Death here, John. Um, what's your biggest concern with the, with the World Series here with the Phillies? Well, if, if it goes wrong for the Astros, how do you think, what's the most likely way it goes wrong? Well, in
2: 2019, they caught the Nationals when they're hot. In two thousand twenty-one, they caught the Braves when they're hot. Astros were favored in both series. Astros are favored in this series. And under the old format, the Phillies wouldn't have made the playoffs. They yeah. made the playoffs at Minute Maid Park when they won a game uh, to secure uh, the playoff berth. And then they've gotten hot in the playoffs. Of course, the Astros started hot. They've been hot. They're they're un, they're unbeaten, but. If I had to speak something specifically about the two teams, the Astros pitching has been great from top to bottom. Bullpen has been unbelievable. And the Phillies are a home run hitting team. They have been mashers, beginning with Bryce Harper, Reese Hosk, J T Muriel J is it T or P?
1: JT, JT, JT Realmuto
2: JT Real And then Kyle Schwarber. Who I watched that 488 foot homers. Those guys mash. Brandon Mars has improved their outfield defense tremendously since he came over from the Angels at the trade deadline. So I think uh, the Astros pitchers have to shut them down on home runs, and if they do, they'll win. And if they can't. The Phillies are going to pull an upset and the Astros are going to lose another world series. I think the thing, yeah, I think it's, I think you're right, John. The thing that scares me
1: with the Astros is just as great a team as they are. They won 106 games. This team is, uh, overall, this team is probably a half a tick to a full tick below previous versions of the Astros offensively. Um, they went through lulls at times in the season that would span a few days, a few games. And at this stage of the season, if you go through a lull, you can find your season ending. So I am afraid, I am a little nervous about the bats. You know, what, what if, what if we have a series like Altuve, Jordan and Tucker just had, what if that continues into this one and you're not getting timely hits from unlikely places like Chaz McCormick and Yuli Gurriel I'll throw Jeremy Pena in there, but Jeremy Pena may just be – we may just be watching before our very eyes the maturation of Jeremy Pena because he was really good in September, and that's continued into the postseason. But that's the thing that scares me. I think the pitching is going to be there. I think there's just too many good pitchers on this staff for the pitching over this series to be an issue. I think maybe the biggest difference between these two teams isn't pitching or hitting, it's defense. Uh, The Phillies are not a good defensive team, and if I'm a Philly fan, I watch game three and game four of that Yankees series – the ALCS and I see the Astros and the way they took advantage of mistakes in the field by the Yankees in game three, the drop fly ball, which led to the McCormick home run. And then in game four, the botched double play, which led to the, the two go ahead runs in the eighth inning. And that would scare the hell out of me because I was on a podcast in Philly yesterday and they called the Phillies a glorified beer league softball team. I'm like, well, that's not good. Cause last I looked at most beer league softball leagues, there are not good defensive players in those leagues.
2: One of the things that uh, is amazing to me is they swept the Yankees, even though Altuve, Alvarez, and Tucker were terrible at the plate. Yep. They combined for either 184 or 186 average. They can't have that continue. I was watching the MLB Network, and they had their gambling expert on there, and he took – most hits in this series, Guriel, because he's been, he's been hot. He's only struck out one time. Mm -hmm. He's had 10 or 11 hits. I can't remember. Well, he's been so much better in the playoffs than he was during the season when he was awful. And um, Astros, of course, play really good defense, but uh, man, they got, you can't afford to have your top hitter stank it up and hope that the bottom of the lineup is going to carry you. Even though it worked against the Yankees, I do not think it'll work against the Phillies.
1: What's your prediction, John?
2: I'm taking Astros in six.
1: Okay. I'm going to go Astros in five. Astros in five. I think they celebrate. I think they return the favor, John. Philly celebrated their securing of a playoff berth on our field. We celebrate a world championship on theirs. That's the the Astros are going to celebrate all three rounds of the postseason in opposing stadiums: Seattle, New York, Philly. I just think the pitching is just too much. Pitching's too much for the uh, for the Phillies. Okay, picture this: it's
0: Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: All right, um, let's get to the Texans and the Titans this coming weekend. John, is there anything anything coming out of this week with the Texans before we get into the pregame six-pack that you've uh, – that, that you're feeling any time to- anything topic wise? Kind of a quiet week for the Texans, other than a little bit of churn in the wide receiver room with Tyron Johnson coming in, Tyler Johnson out, and we don't know what's up with Nico Collins right now.
2: Well, I'm assuming Nico Collins is going to be out because you got a hamstring injury. You you don't you don't get a hamstring injury and leave a game and come back the next week. You just don't see that. And so these Johnsons don't make a difference because neither one of them's done squat. So they need people are talking about trading Brandon Cooks. They need Brandon Cooks to step up big time. Pep Hamilton already likes playing multiple tight ends. they targeted Brevin Jordan four times and he didn't have a catch. And Jordan Akins had three catches. They need Akins and Jordan really are like big wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna have to throw them the ball because. Jordan Akins runs really well after the catch, and they've got to get him the ball if they can't get it to Brandon Cooks. Of course, they've got to run. At some point, Pep Hamilton will listen to the world and give somebody besides Rack Burkhead carries and catches by Damian Pearson. I think Daria Gubawali showed in that last game against the Raiders. He's capable of doing that. He's so much quicker and faster than Burkhead. I know Burkhead's smart. I know he's a good blocker. I know he's tough. He doesn't make mental mistakes. But once he gets the ball, he can't get any yards. He gets brought down immediately, and I think they need to give Boomba Wally some uh, carries. And The most encouraging thing out of that Raiders game was the offense, specifically Davis Mills, specifically on third down when they were really good after going into that game 31st, on third down which is amazing because they're tied for fifth on first down yeah which tells me second down is not very good so can davis mills keep this up because even though the tides are four and two they're not as good as last season
1: no i i think they're a, they're they're a, a bit of a, f- a fugazi to use a word we like to use on this podcast a four and two team right now mike rabel's doing a great job though i mean he's you know he's missing taylor lawan right now he's missing harold landry you know they traded a.j brown um, so, Vrabel, Rabel's just a really good coach. All right. Um, so, let's get to our pregame six pack. John, you just laid out a few things right there, but we lay out six storylines, people, wrinkles in this game on either side that we need to watch for. The Texans, by the way, three and a half point underdogs at home this weekend against the Titans. So, for a game that's going to get, for a game that's a four and two team against a team with the worst record in the conference, uh, the experts see it as basically a field goal game right now.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member FDIC. Uh
1: So, John, let's get it started. Pre-game
2: six-pack, and uh, you are up first. By the way, until that Raiders game, the Texans had been very good against the spread, mainly because they were so, they're so decisive. And in this game, because Ryan Tannehill has some kind of injury, when I did on my weekly show on Tuesday on OutKick, they were talking about would he even play? Yeah. Well, he doesn't miss games because of injuries. He might have missed two since he's come to the Titans, and they'd have to play Malik Willis. But remember Tannehill last year when the Texans beat them, had an awful game. He did. And and then at the end of the year when they had to win to get home field advantage, Davis Mills was great, and they won by three points. So my, my first thing, of course, is going to start, yeah, uh, with the with the run defense the front seven if malik collins is out and he got hit Uh-oh. in the chest by steven nelson when they were tr- running down the field trying to make a tackle yeah i think it was josh jacobs but their run defense is bad enough with him and without him i don't know how they'd stop him maybe they put nine man fronts up there i don't know what titans receivers you're not going to double any of them so i'm going to say the run defense which is 32nd Ugh. and last after creeping up a couple of spots and being 30th, they got to be able to contain Derrick Henry who's coming off 128 yard performance.
1: Derrick Henry has had three straight games of over a hundred yards. So he looks to be he looks to be back. Um the uh the Texans, 164.7 yards per game, John, and five point two yards per carry. I mean, that Jeez. is that is atrocious. P.U. P.U. Stinky. Yes, absolutely. Disgusting. Um, all right. My my first one is going to be, uh, you know what, I'll go with the run game on the Texan side of things. Damian Pierce and just how they end up deploying Damian Pierce um, in this game. Do they continue to have him be part of the, you know, the 20 carry club here? Um, and how do they mix in? You just mentioned um, Wale. How do they reduce some of the load on Pierce? Uh, you know, is it still Burkhead? Is it a Goomba Wale? Was five catches and fifty-four yards enough for a Goomba Wale to earn his way to some more um, to some more snaps? Uh, this is a really good run defense for the um, for the Titans. They're third in rushing DVOA on Football Outsiders, so they defend the run really, really well. Um, this will be a tall task for, for Damian Pierce, who the last few weeks has gone against some softer defenses run-wise. Um, we know the Texans, we know what they want to do. They want to run first to set up the pass. So this will be a game where twofold, Damian Pierce and his ability to continue to churn out yards and average that five, five yards a carry that he's been getting, and two, Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton hopefully finding a better solution to spelling Damian Pierce in this game.
2: There's nothing worse than hearing the, the press box announcer on home games or the play-by-play announcer on road games say Rex Burkhead is in the game. is <laughs> a great guy. He's a great team guy. Everybody loves him. But I don't know why Pep Hamilton is so blind. Put take Royce Freeman off the practice squad. He's had some good runs. With the Texans over the last couple of years, or Umba Wally, if you watched him run, he's quick. He's got a little shake in him. Bark it is, none of that. You can't do it because you're just hard headed. The Titans can be beaten. The Texans have had a chance to win four game, to win every game in the fourth quarter, and they've only done it one time. Led the Raiders twenty to seventeen, then got blown out thirty eight to twenty. So I just, I, I think they're going to have to throw the ball to get Titans to back off the line of scrimmage uh, and to give Damian Pierce some room to run.
1: All right. Who's next, John? What's your next uh, next item up in the pregame six-pack?
2: In the past, Sean, I would have said something about the guys covering A.J. Brown, but we don't have to worry about that anymore. Mm -mm. And the Texans don't either. And they got to be relieved about that because he just killed them. Uh, I'm going to go with the offensive line has been playing very well. They protected Mills. He was sacked one time at the last play of the first half against the Raiders. A couple of times when pass rushers got in on him, he got the, rid of the ball and he completed them. So he did really, he did really well. I think the offensive line under George Warhop is making consistent improvement. Kenyon Green had a had a crucial penalty against the Raiders so did Roy Lopez and he went out came back and then Titus Howard went out and came back Titus did a good job against Mike Crosby I look for this offensive line to be good in this game to help with the running game and protect Davis Mills and that gives the Texans a chance to win unless Derrick Henry goes over 200 yards I believe for the fourth consecutive game against the Texans
1: yeah I mean I'll just add to what you said Kenyon Green is going to be a real focal point I would imagine for the Titans defense uh, with Jeffrey Simmons, you know, lining up in that interior for the Tennessee Titans. Simmons has had another great year this year. He's a really, really good football player. So, yeah, the Texans are going to have their hands full with that Titan front. Um, No, Harold Landry, he's been out all year, but Bud Dupree is is obviously uh, something to worry about as well. John, my next one for our pregame six-pack is going to be third down third down for both of these teams. The Titans' third down defense is first in the league right now. They're the best on third down. The Texans are 27th on third down. Offensively, the Texans last week, that was one of the things they did fairly well compared to other games this year. They were 9 of 15 on third down. Davis Mills was pretty decent and had to have its situations, at least for the first two and a half quarters of that game, and then the Raiders just ran them out of the building after that. had more to do with the Raiders' offense than the Raiders' defense, but – Mills showed improvement on third down. That's been a hard area for him this year. Um, And, uh, and so that that's something I'll be watching because the Texans are going to need some sustained drives in this game. I think they're, you know, they're, uh, unless they get turnovers in short fields, they're going to need to, they're going to need to string some things together and the Texans are not very good at attacking downfield and getting big chunk plays. They find themselves in third down a lot because their strategy seems to be let's run the ball, stay ahead of the chains, put ourselves in manageable down and distance situations. The Titans have thrived in third down on defense this year. So third down is a big key for me. The Texans need to have another game on third down like they had against the Raiders last week.
2: I can't wait to see if they can sustain that and uh, or if they're going to be in third and long, incomplete sack, uh, throw it away. But you're right, that is going to be – uh, paramount if they want to have a chance to win in the fourth quarter again and actually do it,
1: absolutely. All right, what's your uh, what's your last pregame six pack, John?
2: If Nico Collins does not play as expected, then the other receivers, Philip Dorsett and Chris Moore, both of whom had touchdown catches on third down. They've got to play well. But Brandon Cooks has got to have his best game of the season. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think they're going to trade him. You don't think they're going to trade him because of his contract. But he needs to step up for the first time this season. Collins is out. He's got to get open. Mills has got to get him the ball because you've got to have a receiver who can put some pressure on the defense. And so far, Cooks hadn't done it this season for whatever reason. Well, this is a great time for him to start.
1: Do you buy into any of the social media stuff with him where he's liking tweets about trade rumors and things like that? Does Brandon Cook strike you as a guy who
2: causes passive-aggressive drama like this? No. Brandon's one of the best team guys I've ever seen. If he likes it, hell. If you don't like it, if you lo- don't like something that will give you a chance to get get out of one of the worst <laughs> teams in the league, you'd be nuts. Something would yeah. be wrong with you. So, That's true. Yeah, I would like it too.
1: All right. Last one, John, for me um, that I'm going to be watching uh, week two of Christian Harris. Uh, Christian Harris, I think, wound up getting a lot more snaps than we all thought he might last week or certainly more snaps than Lovey Smith had been intimating. He might get throughout the week leading up to the game against the Raiders. Turns out he was on the field for 68 percent of the snaps defensively, 36 total defensive snaps, I believe it was, or maybe 38, something like that. Um, last year I was 38. Kamu was on the field for 18. Christian Harris on the field for 38. There were 56 total snaps. Um, I enjoyed the Christian Harris snaps much more than the Kamu snaps. Kamu stinks this year. Um, but watching Christian Harris in week two, and especially going against a team like this, pretty similar. Last week he was having to tackle a former Alabama running back and Josh Jacobs, former teammate, this week. Another former Alabama running back, but one he didn't coincide with there in Tuscaloosa, in Derrick Henry. Boy, a lot of these Alabama running backs, John, and it turns out they're all really good at running the football, running over people. Um, but Christian Harris in week two, you know, we're getting to a, we're getting to a point with this team where these are the things that are going to excite me, individual young players watching them ascend and grow, and Harris is that guy for me again this week.
2: They're not going anywhere. Play those young guys, give them the chance to gain the experience to help them get better. And I think Christian Harris knows this. Beware of the stiff arm when you're closing in on Derrick Henry, when he gets in space. Harris is going to get better. Put him out there. Let him, let him rush. Let him Let him drop into coverage. See if he can play the run. I don't know what they're going to do to get better against the run because they were so pathetic against the Raiders in the second half. Now, they weren't in the first half. It happened at the end of the – it happened as soon as they got the ball first in the third quarter, they just steamrolled them. So, I don't know if they changed their strategy of players ran out of gas or their true colors just emerged. But uh, they've got to do something, and Christian Harris is going to be a big part of it. All right,
1: John, what's your prediction on the game?
2: I'm going with the Titans, who low scoring and boring, like most of Texans games, even though they just gave up 38. You know, they struggle to get 20. So I'm going to say Titans 23, Texans 20.
1: Okay, I got 20 to 17 Titans. So you and I both have the Texans covering the number, but not winning the game, which for a lot of Texan fans, I think is a dream scenario. Another competitive football game. Where they inch closer and closer to the top of the draft. Where we need to, we need Detroit to Detroit to start cooperating again, John. It turns out that uh, after all that bluster coming out of Hard Knocks, the Lions still just flat out stink. They're not good.
2: And I need a quarterback. And I yeah. don't think the Titans had an offensive touchdown in Sunday's victory over the Colts. I think it was Randy Bullock's four field goals and a defensive touchdown. Randy Bullock. AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Was he? Yep.
1: Oh, man. How about that? Fat Randy. You go, Randy. All right. Let's, John, let's let's mix in a few of these. We like to hit some of the storylines around the league, across other sports, across life, with a little segment that we do at the end of each week called for real or fugazi. I'm gonna read John some sentences here, some statements, some thoughts, and John will tell me if he thinks that these are accurate, i.e., for real, or if they are fake, inaccurate, phony, or as we like to say, fugazi. It's Italian for counterfeit, at least on this show it is. Um, John, we'll start with this. Matt Ryan was benched this week in Indianapolis. Sam Ellinger is going to be the starter for the rest of the season. We have seen the last time that Matt Ryan is going to be a week one starter for an NFL team. Is that statement for real
2: or fugazi? I'm going to say it's fugazi, Sean, because there's so many teams that need quarterbacks, and he's gone from the Colts. The reason he's been benched to like, the rest of the season is Jim Irsay's decision because he doesn't want to take a chance on him getting hurt and owing him, like, another $12 million next year or something that's involving millions and millions of dollars. But, you know, if he showed the tape of the previous game, he looked really good, three touchdowns, no turnovers. So this, I think, is more about money. Than it, than it is about performance. So with so many teams needing quarterbacks, they're not all going to get one. They're ready to play right away next season. So I'm thinking he's going somewhere else. He'll get a job. My God, Sean, if Carson Wins can keep yeah. getting starting jobs, why can't Matt Ryan? No,
1: you're 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 absolutely right. There's a there's a there the supply curve, you know, supply chain issues, John. We've got supply chain issues around the world right now. I believe there's a supply chain issue with quarterbacks in the NFL right now. The supply is not great. And I think you're right about that. I mean, I think, he's, I think Matt Ryan's no good, but I, I think too, I could see a team. He will not, he will not get brought in though the same way that the Colts brought him in this year, which was, Hey, he's our starter. And we'll see how long this thing goes. He's going to be the starter for a team that drafts a quarterback. And he's a, he's a bridge quarterback now, John. I mean, he's, I, I think he'd be like a one year kind of guy. Um, All right, next one. I'll stick with the theme of quarterbacks being benched. Uh, Mac Jones was also benched in a game this week in Monday Night Football. Mac Jones benched by Bill Belichick. Bailey Zappi came in and didn't win the game, but he has won a couple games for the Patriots this year. John, for real or Fugazi, week one, 2023, the starting quarterback for the Patriots is Bailey Zappi. For real or Fugazi?
2: Yeah, you see, the Patriots gave a 15th pick in the first round for Mac Jones. He showed a lot of promise. He ran out of gas at the end of the year, and then he had a high ankle sprain. Every player that I've ever covered who had a high ankle sprain said, you never get over it during the season. You can play with it because you just have to be able to deal with the pain, but it's not going to get better till there's a lot, a lot of R&R in the offseason. So uh, he wasn't ready to play physically. He might not have been able to play mentally. But Bailey Zappi is Cooper Rush. Guy came in. He looked good. He might have a chance uh, to continue to get better. But he's not going to be the starting quarterback over the guy who was picked in the first round.
1: I hope Zappi plays the rest of the year. And I hope he plays well. And then I want to see Belichick trade Mac Jones at a discount to the Texans next year. And then the Texans start Mac Jones, and they can use those other first round. They can use their two first round picks on actual players and roll with Mac Jones instead of Davis Mills.
2: Oh, Davis Mills was better than Jones over the last five weeks of last season. He's been better than him this season. I'd rather keep Davis Mills than trade for Mac Jones. I don't care what the pick is. They need to get that franchise quarterback in the 2023 draft and worried about the other positions, other other times
1: john i didn't say why i wanted to see it i didn't say it was the right solution i would just want to see what the fallout would be just watch the world burn you know what i mean like like the like the like the like the targaryen king there the mad king he just liked to watch everything burn to the ground sometimes it's fun to watch things burn all right kind of
2: sticks. excuse me sticks in my craw that every time i hear or watch bailey zappy they talk to him about being from western kentucky not he was there one year, but he was at HBU yeah. for four years. And I want somebody to say he was at Houston Baptist, transferred to Western Kentucky for one year, threw 60 touchdown passes and got drafted by the Patriots. But it's like he played his whole career at Western Kentucky. Yeah,
1: no, it's he's he's from Houston Baptist by way of Western Kentucky. That's what that is. All right, uh, a couple more football, then I got a baseball and a Halloween one for you, John. Um, the Green Bay Packers, I believe, for the first time with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, are double digit underdogs this weekend. They play the Buffalo Bills. They're 11 and a half point underdogs. John, for real or Fugazi? 11 and a half points is not enough for this game. Buffalo is going to whomp Green Bay. For real or Fugazi?
2: For real. Yeah. This Packer team is not good with Aaron Rodgers Aaron going on, Pat McAfee complaining about mistakes. That's like calling out Matt LaFleur. I think those players that he, he's trying to get to play better. And I, I don't know if he's the greatest leader in the world. They probably don't like the way he's called him out publicly. The Bills got it going on. You know, it's important to Josh Allen to play great. I think Buffalo's going to blow him out.
1: That's a Sunday night game, too. Sunday night uh, on NBC, the Bills hosting the uh, the Packers. Um, all right, John, baseball, real quick, World Series. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is the best player, individual player, in this World Series. For real or Fugazi?
2: For real. He's, uh hasn't been able to play the field since he came off the injured list. But he is red hot, consistently red hot, not inconsistently red hot like Jordan Alvarez. But I think right now there's not many players except maybe maybe Mike Trout, including Aaron Judge. If I had a choice right now, if Aaron Judge or Bryce Harper, I might take. Rice Harper plus he's it's left-handed, but and he's cheaper. We're going to be cheaper by over hundred million. And this is why the Phillies paid all that money. I think it's what three hundred fifteen or thirty million to get him yep. and away from the Nationals. And he's he's been there nine. This is his fourth year there, and they won without him, which was surprising after they fired Joe Girardi. So. I think he's definitely the best player in the World Series.
1: He is. He's definitely the hottest. I mean, his, his OPS right now for the playoffs, I want to say, is like 1,300 or maybe just in the previous series. But he is, he is red hot right now. All right, last one, John. Halloween is coming up on Monday. Um, this will, I think, be the last podcast we do. Well, we'll do one on Sunday night after the game, but worth getting a Halloween take in. Um, candy corn is a popular candy, I guess, among some folks at Halloween time, John for real or for gazy, candy corn is trash
2: uh for real i'm not a big candy corn guy Us- usually when our street's not torn up my wife carol gets all kinds of candy and she puts it by the front door and then she dresses up like a witch and when people from the neighborhood come up she gives them candy but before Went before all this, while it's daylight, I go in there and I sneak around, and I take candy I want, and and I never touch those things because if you have more than two, that's too many.
1: Yeah, what's your power ranking for Halloween candy? What are the what are the three uh, John McClane favorites?
2: Based on what my wife puts out there, I love Reese's. Mm-hmm. Reese's are great. Love M and M's, and I like uh, the little square caramel. Caramel candies, and uh I let her give out all these things. She buys some things, Sean. That I'm thinking, who would eat this junk? Well, she says kids do. I say, well, it's good because those other things I have no interest in. Do you like any of the coconut-based candies, like Mounds or Almond Joy? I love Almond Joys. Okay. I, she never gets those for um for Halloween, mm-hmm. but sometimes when I'm uh, got a sweet tooth, I'll get an Almond Joy or a Uh, yeah, I I like the Almond Joys. I think probably better than anything along with paydays.
1: Okay, paydays. All right. So so you're more of a chocolate, salty, savory guy as opposed to a fruity, sweet, sugary guy.
2: Yeah, I'm not into fruity stuff, although I do like all jelly beans other than black.
1: Okay. The M&Ms are what gets you, John. The M&Ms at Halloween time, because those just – those go down way too. So it's like a bag of potato chips. You look up and the whole thing's gone.
2: I When when uh, Carol and I got married, I told her I would quit smoking after we got married. And so I asked her, we got married March 26th. I said, can I wait till after the draft? She said, yes. So usually every morning I would get up, I'd get the Chronicle and the Houston Post I'd sit at the table and I would smoke. I would drink a Diet Dr. Pepper and I weighed 180 and I ran three miles a day and played all kinds of sports, racquetball, tennis, softball. And then when I, quit smoking. I put M&Ms on the table and every morning I would eat those M&Ms because well, I didn't smoke anymore. And I would just eat them and eat them and eat them. And look what's happened. To me. <laughs> I was going to say, I, John, figure I'd die from cancer or heart attack.
1: Oh, uh, well, <laughs> that's,
2: that's great. John, I can't picture you smoking. Yeah. I smoked from the time I was 14 through, I think we got married when I was 30, 30, Let's see. I can't think 37.
1: Okay. Okay. we so you've been so you've been
2: out of the smoking game for a long, long time then. I stopped and I stopped in uh Was it hard for you to stop? Not as long as I had those M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> I never had a puff of another cigarette, but my God, I ate way too many Ms. I was I was in a diabetic coma every every week for the M. Where I sit in the press box, I have a spot open, and I told Mark Berman he can come sit there. Well, the Texans put out all kind of candies in the press box, and now I'm on a diet for soda weight loss. Yep. And uh, so uh, I'm going to have to tell Berman, don't you dare bring that bleep around here when I'm sitting here if you want to sit next to me.
1: Well, you can do it, John. You got this, but I I will vouch. You're absolutely right. The Texans, for whatever is happening on the field with the Texans, Man, if you have a sweet tooth, they've really stepped up their game up in the press box cuisine department. They've got those those machines, and this is for the audience's benefit. I don't even know if they care, but who cares? If not, they're fast-forwarding through this anyways. It's a podcast. But, John, those machines where all you do is pull the lever and it just, M&Ms just fall out of the, of the machine. It's incredible.
2: The ones that also kill me are those pecan pie yeah little, little squares from good company yeah and so it's this is i've been okay on this diet at home yep but now that i'm going to a press box and i can't eat anything in there yeah it's gonna take the kind of willpower i've never shown.
1: that's right john yes it's i can tell you someone who went through the soda weight loss plan it's manageable you can work the plan it's a very workable plan but like sports it's much harder to go on the road than to play at home for sure um, but you got this, John. You got this. I'll, I'm gonna I come over. I'm a, you got this, and I, and in the press box, I'm gonna come over and keep you accountable. I'm gonna stop over every quarter and make sure you're not munching on M and M's or kettle chips or something. You
2: won't see anything but uh, water. There you go. Good stuff.
1: John McClain, the great one, the Hall of Famer, and me, Sean Pendergast, the pretty good one, and hope to hopefully Hall of Famer someday. Um, we've got you with the uh, pregame six-pack, a little for real or for gaze-y. Hope you enjoyed that.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: And um, we will uh, certainly be breaking down this game uh, on Monday morning. The podcast will drop. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting it out to everybody and doing all that he does to make sure you guys have this podcast. John, what's going on? You got... You got a busy few days coming up with the World Series starting on Friday, and you got report cards. What do you, what all you got going on?
2: I'm going to have a column about uh, on uh, Sports Radio 610 on Friday about uh, if they can't stop Josh Jacobs, how in the world are they going to stop Derek Henry mm-hmm. when they haven't been able to do it. And then uh, I have a column on uh, Gallery Sports right now, uh, looking back the 1980 National League Championship Series that the uh, Astros blew to the Phillies. And also I'm writing one about the Astros pitching staff, how deep it is, how great the bullpen's been pitching, and how seven of their eight starters have been homegrown. And they are the envy of every organization.
1: John, how many of the 1980 Astros do you think were smokers?
2: Uh, I remember When I was uh, in the Oilers dressing room back then, a lot of players smoked. Yeah. They were in great shape, but they smoked. And so I wasn't in the Astros locker room but i'm gonna guess some of them did
1: yeah i'm for sure i think some of them did you can't tell me joe sambito didn't burn a heater after a, a little uh, relief outing or something like that did players smoke in the locker room after games john
2: yeah wow after practice and after games go in today they're holding their cell phone looking online back then they're lighting the smoke
1: yeah hey john before i cut you loose did you send jj Watt a congratulations text on the birth uh, of his first uh,
2: his first son I did, and uh, he got back to me, and I'm so happy for them. Him and Kalia, they they uh, are proud parents, first son, and a lot of people are going to be offering scholarships because that kid is going to have some natural athletic ability.
1: Oh, dude, I've already got the NIL collective put together for Notre Dame. Can you keep your greasy Baylor mitts off of him, John? I got
2: to uh, – you know what? I'm going to send him a text right now. Keep the fighting Baylor Bears in mind.
1: Keep them in mind, yeah. Koa, James, Watt, and he will go by – the chosen one. Oh, no, wait. I mean, he'll go by KJ. He's going to be KJ. Why? I called him. I tweeted at JJ. I said, this is the chosen one. He liked the tweet. So I think maybe that might become the nickname for him. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, you know, reach out to JJ and give him a little congratulations. You know, that's uh, he's still a he's still an honorary Houstonian for sure. Abs- you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Legend. All right. Uh, John, appreciate the time. As always, this was fun.
2: Sean, my pleasure. Thank you very much as always. All right, good stuff. That's
1: John McClain. I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you Monday morning, bright and early. Of course, kickoff for the Texans, bright and early for the podcast. Texans 305 kickoff this weekend. So, the rare late window kickoff for a home game for the Texans. So, make a note of that. You can hear me. Uh, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 610. And, of course, we will have the pregame for you, Seth Payne and myself, starting at 12.05 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. We are done. We are out of here. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. And go Texans, but mostly go Strohs. We will see you all next week.